Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary.org Hardcore Podcast coming your way, episode 151. Today we're doing the gen- the gentle giant. Steve Smee here in the Mobster. How you doing, buddy? All good. Really nice sunshine over here for a change. We're taking some of your incredibly hot weather and adding it to my tan. So, so the gentle giant from Germany. What's his name, Mobster, that we're doing today? Gunter Schleerkamp. Yep, so Gunter Schleerkamp, guys. Now, that name may not ring a bell to you, but if you start looking into his history and learning more about him and seeing his pictures, you may recognize him. Um, he's got that look. He's got that you know, Southern California, blonde hair, attractive look. Just a perfect fit for Southern California but he is from Germany. His career spanned from 1990 to 2006 for, for 16 years. He competed at the highest level, guys. He grinded his way to the top top five at Mr. Olympia. His claim to fame, he defeated Ronnie Coleman during his Olympia run back in 2002. At his peak, 6'1", 320 pounds. Huge physique combined with his personality gave him the nickname, The Gentle giant so let's tell you a little bit about his early life and i'll bring in mobster to give his thoughts 1970 he was born in Alfen, germany his pro career started at just that 20 years old he was in he grew up on his family farm did a lot of physical work he built a lot of mental men, mentally and physically but built a lot of strength um i i knew a guy um named edger and james he played uh, NFL. I know mobster, you don't follow NFL over there, but he used to be a running back in the NFL and he never touched the weight in his life. Actually worked in his grandpa's watermelon farm and he would pick up watermelons and haul them and put them in the truck. And he actually built his physique from picking up and carrying watermelons, um, working on his grandfather's farm. So this is what happened here. He built a really strong physique from a young age, just from farm work. His hero was Arnold Schwarzenegger, which uh, Arnold came from a, few, a couple countries to the south of him and had the same kind of look as well. And he watched his movies and he started watching, he started following bodybuilding then. He was born in 1970. So when he was a teenager, you know, that was around the time Arnold was finishing his bodybuilding career around 1980. And then he was transitioning into movies. So Gunter was, you know, in his early teens and he was watching those crazy Arnold movies from the early 80s and really getting into it. And that's when he started working out at a gym and he had already built an extremely strong base from his farm work. So um, at 20 years old, he got into the amateurs. Four years of weight training. He started when he was 16. He was ready to enter his first competition, 1990 German Championships Junior Division. He easily won first place. Over the next couple of years, he focused on improving his body and sets his sights on earning a pro card. A year after that, 
He earned his pro card by winning the World Amateur Championship. So we'll get into his professional bodybuilding career, but I'll bring in Mobster for his thoughts on his uh, early life. And what do you think? I'm just reminded of, uh, uh, and I made some notes while you were talking, Jay Cutler working with Concrete and a podcast we've just recorded and, and went live recently, Ranch Warren as a farm boy. And here we've got Gunter as a farm boy. So I think you've touched on it before. The foundation of strength, the ability to work hard, the grind, if you like, whatever, which we don't really see a lot of anymore in a professional bodybuilding. These guys had it. I mean, I could, me and you could come up with a bunch of names and I couldn't tell you what they did. But some of them are ex-army, so there's, there's a little bit there of the ability to be dedicated and focused and, and good at your job, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously the training that they do can help a little bit. But, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm recalling, I think Jay Cutler's talking about 14, 15, 16 years of age, mixing concrete, working with concrete, working on a farm. The, 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 I think the dad owns a, some sort of land as well as the concrete business. Ranch Ronge, which we just talked about again, farm boy, uh, working with farmers even later on with, with his freight business. So Gunter's background there. One of the things that I've said to you, I mean, just looking at what you said as well, that's quite a short, you know, one year this, one year next, one year next. There's many a bodybuilder out there now, Steve, that would love to be able to go, oh, next year I'm going to get a pro card, next year I'm going to win this competition. So it's quite a quick journey when it says, you know, two years from junior to pro car, boom, boom, boom. So that's fantastic. And in fact, in, in modern bodybuilding terms, he was quite young, um, 22, 23, 24, 25. Now we know that the professional bodybuilders that are winning the Mr. Olympian of chop shows now tend to be 35 to 40. And I'm going to say that Gunter was practically out by that time. So yeah, there's definitely all those things. Uh, I, I, the only thing, and you you mentioned it right at the beginning with the sort of the, the Aryan slash California look that he had, and I said this to Steve me in, in the pre-show, is I think Gunter was too much of a nice guy, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit after the training, uh, ju just because I think when his journey to getting his pro card was so short that maybe it was easy for him, and then later on in his career when he was a professional, when he should have been placing, in my opinion, that maybe perhaps a little bit higher, it could have come down to the fact that he was too nice. It had been too easy. So, yeah, we're getting to that, Steve. So let's get into his pro career. So guys understand what kind of competitions he was into and how he moved his way up into Mr. Olympia. So he dominated Germany his first five years from 20 to 25 years old. He was itching to move the United States. He wanted to follow Arnold's footsteps. He wanted to not only become a bodybuilder, but also have a shot of being in the movies, too. So he placed 11th at the IFB Night, IFBB Night of Champions, which was going against the best bodybuilders at the time. He was also a regular at Arnold Classics and Grand Prix across Europe. <clears throat> and in 1994, only 24 years old, he competed at Mr. Olympia. He got 19th place. In 1988, he got 15th place, 2012 place. 2001, he got 15th. Then 2002, that's when he jumped. That was the year he beat Ronnie Coleman in another competition. And in this one, he got fifth. 2003, Mr. Olympia, fifth. 2004, sixth. 2005 was his peak. He got fourth place, and he almost got third place. Came four points mm. short. And then 2006, 10th place, and then that was it. He retired. So his, you know, that was a pretty impressive run, uh, Mr. Olympia. That was a eight-year run at Mr. Olympia. And he had um, 
let's see, one, two, three, four, five top 10 finishes. So very, very impressive showing. And, you know, fourth place is, is incredible. So he was an absolute beast. Anything you want to add to that? I'm just going to say that me and you spoke about this in, in, in the, after another podcast the other day. A contemporary of his at the time was a fellow called Ralph Muller, and I mentioned this to Steve Smith. Uh, in terms of his movie career, which he has aspired to here, he, he he did some movies, as you know, Steve. You mentioned in, in the pre-show notes that he did a, a D-rated movie called Beer Fest. But Ralph, who was around at the same time and perhaps not the same kind of quality, ended up in probably, probably one of the biggest movies of all time in terms of Gladiator. And, I, and I've described the whole scene with the snake and the gambling that they're doing and the training at the uh, arena that they have. And that Ralph Muller is, uh, people as Ralph Muller, and that was such an epic, epic movie, an A movie. So that's what you really want to do. I mean, it's all well and good. We're planning in movies, like Kai Green's doing stuff like this and whatever else. But none of us want these B movies and D movies. We want the A movies. We want the Saturday Night Smash. We want the one that's going to do a billion dollars, a thousand billion dollars. That's the movie you want to be in. That's what Ralph did. So as, as, as nice, again, perhaps it's just because he wasn't such a pushy, uh, going, going forward kind of guy. You touched on in the show notes there, Steve, which is, um, uh, if you want to tell the audience, about Lisa Lyons. What, what a fantastic, even now, very, very attractive lady. And uh, a highly rated athlete herself. In fact, comparable again to um, Branch Warren and the and his wife, uh, in terms of they're both being highly rated uh, athletes in their own name, and yet both married to highly rated athletes on the other side of the table. It's very very difficult for most people. Bodybuilding and and, and indeed most sports are kind of selfish, and you need the other person to support you. And yet here you have to what we would call A-type personalities, both doing very well for themselves and fortunately able to put that kind of personality stuff aside at home and end up being a great couple. And I said, it's been married quite a long while now. I believe, I think it's, it's uh, married in 2007, I believe still married because they were interviewed after a show uh, conversation. And uh, they've got at least one child called Jake. I want to talk about your training, Steve, if that's okay with you. Jump straight in there. So when he was at his best, he had probably the king of trainers and the king of prep gurus. Uh, Charles Glass, who's the Gold's Gym uh, guru, trainer, whatever you want to call him, is has been described by some people as king of the angles. And indeed, in one of the Battle for the Olympia videos taken around this time, when Gunter's looking 300 pounds, kind of ripped, little bit depleted, as he says, working with Chad Nichols. You've got Charles Glass going through the different angles, moving pieces of equipment, moving benches forward, taking a little bit, bit of blocks of wood under the end. And he's, def he's one of his guys, if there's, a, as if there's a, a part missing to your physique, you need to fill in the top of your chest. You need to fill in the, the delt pec tie-in. Charles is the king of the fella for finding something that will work just that place on you. Again, if you've got the genetics to have this stuff happen, and on the video, you can see them doing, again, it's not, we're talking about crazy sets and reps, nothing crazy in terms of the training and whatever else, but the angles are everything. And Charles is one of those fellas. I think and also he's one of those blokes you will train for. You don't go down and go for the motions with Charles. The other aspect, which I which just touched on, is Chad Nichols. And Chad Nichols is one of those guys 
that it's like you want to take the next step in your career in terms of prep and you've got a few people that you can go to. Chad is one of those people you can go to. And let's be honest, if you look at his uh, CV, he's probably had as many Mr. Olympia or Miss Olympia chambers as any prep guru. The only issue, and this is by rumor and reputation, is that he will take you to places that perhaps you wasn't thinking you were going to go to. And I'm talking in terms of PED, Stephen, I'm talking in terms of just how goddamn uncomfortable you're going to feel. So there's plenty of stories out there, people feeling, you know, I felt like I was at death's door, I felt like I was dying, blah, 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 blah. And I say that a little bit off the cuff. Uh, you will feel fucked up, but you will be the driest you've ever been. You will be in the most condition you've ever been. You will be the biggest you've ever been. And Steve mentioned it earlier on, I believe, one of the numbers that was thrown out there, Steve, in the off-season, and again, he's a good six feet, is that he got up as high as 340 pounds. So that is a really big, big, big guy. And competition shape was 300 pounds. And this is at a time when there was only probably two or three others out there that were even close to that kind of level. So in terms of the training, he's gone to the right people, the prep, he's gone to the right person, and he's doing exactly what he needs to do. And of course, this is where we get to the whole uh, 2002, in my opinion, at the peak of his career physically. You can argue about better places later on. But I, I said to Steve in the pre-show that from, from my perspective as a professional athlete, he needed to be doing his right things and also be more aggressive and professional and assertive in putting his name out there and getting in front. He, he got a slightly out of condition, Ronnie Coleman, and, and it was night and day. Ronnie was enough to beat everybody else, but he could not beat Gunter. And in fact, even if you look at the, the 2002 photographs, Gunter's in front, Gunter looks better. It's arguable that he could have placed a lot, lot higher at that, the, the, the Mystery Olympia competition that year. I think the other thing, and I've touched on this before, Steve, is that Ronnie only ever probably competed twice in the whole of his top professional career when he was already winning Mr. Olympia. And that those both those years were where he wasn't quite the best Mr. Olympia that he could have been. Arnold Classic being one year and this uh, show of strength being the other year in 2002. Back to you. The nutrition guys, I didn't really find anything too abnormal. Um, some of the guys we've done do some some different things, but he seems to do uh, – you have to understand the guy grew up in Germany, so his diet is already going to be pretty pretty simple, I think. Uh, eggs seems to be a theme. Oatmeal, fruit, potatoes, vegetables, rice, fish, beef, and chicken. So it was interesting that I saw fruit in there. might be like a European, Middle East thing where – they consume fruit. Some of the American bodybuilders are like, oh my God, I can't have fruit. I can't have fruit. It's sugar. I can't have any fruit. So their coaches don't have them on any fruit. So it's kind of interesting. That, that's one of the things I noticed. Some of the, the differences between American bodybuilders and form and bodybuilders. Um, so let's kind of get into some interesting things here. His steroid use. And let's talk about that. But I have to talk about that in one of his videos, he had ballooned 340 pounds and he could feel his body telling him, you know, I've had enough. This isn't right. So that was his warning. He, he gives that example. He wants to warn young bodybuilders, 
we see these guys, once they get a certain age, they become preachy. You know, they start wanting to preach to the younger guys and stuff. But where, where were they 10 years ago, 20 years ago? They were doing mm-hmm. exactly what they're preaching about. That's the, yeah. that's the interesting thing. You have guys who do that and you got you guys that don't do it and who, who want to be preachy. So I think that's interesting. In his situation, I'd probably fall into the second group, Steve. Huh? Huh? I'd probably fall into the second group, and I've never done anything crazy, but I'm old enough to have made some mistakes. And of yeah. course, I'm in, like you, informed because this is the thing. You and I ain't got the guys that are doing grams and grams of gear, but we've been around a long enough time that we know these guys come along. And you, as you just said, you've got a sense of perspective. You know that he wasn't saying anything like this before. We know that for a fact that he wasn't. But you and I haven't had to do grams and DMP and, and all the other crazy stuff in order to learn this lesson. This is the reason why we're on the forums and why we do what we do, guys. We don't have had to win the Mr. Olympia or work under Chad or taking DMP to know by reading and research and some experience. And of course, we've got buddies that have gone out there and pushed the envelope. We can we, we see what they've done. We see the guys taking clan and not liking it. And we can give you that information. What happens here is you've got a professional bodybuilder and he only learned by 10, 15, 20 years in the trenches, this is the kind of crazy stuff you guys shouldn't have been doing. I've touched on it a little bit. If the reputation of Chad Nichols is correct and he's out there pushing the envelope, good uh, says at 340 pounds, I, I, I did not like it. I felt unhealthy. But as Steve says, he then waits 10 years to turn around and say, and we talked about this in the pre-show. Dallas McCarver is a, is a very good example. It specifically refers to him. He says, quite, and I'll, I'll do the story, Steve. He says, uh, Steve's research was that uh, Gunter was doing a tour in China and has asked a question during one of the seminars, during one of the shows or whatever else, about Dallas. And he says, I think Dallas has got too big, too quick. And maybe this is the end of uh, Gunter's career. And literally within days of him making that comment, Dallas drops down, dies, and has the issues that he has. Uh, but the, it, there is some truth insofar as as big as Gunter got, we're still talking about a 16-year career. Whereas we're talking about 12 years in. Whereas with Dallas, we're talking about what, Steve? Two years, three years in? And I mean, we, me and you talk about stuff about having heart health and watching your blood pressure and getting your bloods done. And we talk about these things all the time. As big as I am, and I'm still over 300 pounds while we're talking, I make sure to go out and get my steps. I'm not doing grams and grams of gear. I'm not trying to add 20 or 30 pounds on a cycle. And this is the problem. And um, the, the body takes time to get used to these things. And if you've put on arguably 50, 60 pounds in two years, I, I say it would take me all of those two years, three years again, to get used to that. It takes me three months to get used to any increase in my body weight, any decent increase. If I put on five pounds, I feel that five pounds at my weight, and it's going to take me three months for me to start feeling comfortable with that five pounds. And again, I'm a, I'm a big, hefty lad. So Gunther's comment comes from the right place, but as Steve says quite properly, <laughs> funny enough, he didn't mention it during his 16-year career. He only mentioned it when he retired. So yeah, there's an element of that. When we get into the cycle, I think what we might be looking at again is, 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 is with our guesswork, so to speak, I believe looking at the numbers very quickly and ahead of before we talk about it, I think the numbers are spot on. I think the things that he was doing was there. 
conversations with Chad Nichols about plasma expanders and his kind of rumors. And again, the, the numbers that he was doing to get to where he was, yeah, I think when we get into this in a second, it's going to be right about where we, where it should have been and precisely the reason why he was 340 out of season, 300 in season at his best and looked the way that he did. Uh, there we go. Let's get into that nasty. Yeah, so one of the things he talks about is – what he predicted with Dallas McCarver. And um, so he was at a seminar in China and he had told, he had told someone, Hey, you know, Dallas McCarver is getting too big. Dallas McCarver could, could die, you know, from what he's doing. And then literally the next day hmm. he found out that Dallas McCarver had died. So his, he has a quote, he says, we are not, we are not meant to have that much muscle. And that's because when you have all that mass, whether it's fat or muscle, it's a lot of pressure on the heart, not to mention all the things that they're taking. So the steroid abuse is insane. When he's at that level, he's so close and it's so frustrating. He's getting fifth place. He's getting fifth place year after yeah. year. And he's like, man, how do I get there? How do I get to the top? If I can just get first place, can you imagine the endorsements I'll get. Can you imagine the movie roles yeah. I'll get offered? Can you imagine how my life can change for my family? My son will never have to work another day in his life. My grandson will never have to work another day in his life. I mean, that's generational money that I can cast down. I'll be a king. I'll be a prince, you know? So, so what are you going to do? You have to do what you got to do at that level, but it comes at a cost. So him, just like King Kamali, they decided, hey, I have a family now. I have to start taking my health seriously. So they stopped. You know, they stopped. And they didn't keep it going. He could have kept it going another five years and tried to get first place. But he made the decision, hey, I've had enough. It could have been a situation where he's like, man, I can't compete against these guys. These guys are just too freakish. And he's like, you know what? I have to just pull back so let's talk about an example of chasing top three mr olympia and what kind of steroid use these guys would be running so you know i'm going to talk about three compounds here first and i let mobster in but three compounds hgh insulin and dmp these are three things that guys around this era were we're messing with and we're abusing so your dmp ahead of the show you take dmp DMP is one of those things directly burns fat, but it comes at a cost because it crashes your metabolism. It causes other side effects. Basically, it's like cooking your body from the inside. Um, and anything you eat when it's carbs, it, it like hits your body and your body is switched where your body uses those carbs like instantly to burn fat. So that's something that they mess around with at that time. Insulin, 15 IUs per day, that could be a conservative number. Now, insulin, what does it do? For a guy as big as Gunter, it's going to help him build a tremendous amount of size. Insulin is anabolic. Anabolic means grow, okay? Because of his genetics, because of all the other stuff he's on, he's able to grow muscle because he's able to nutrient partition into the muscle. So insulin is very important. Now, most of you listening to this, 99% of you will take insulin. You're just going to get fat. You're not going to turn into Gunther. You're just going to get fat on it because your body's going to store fat. So in his case, he's on so much stuff that that insulin 
that is working against storing fat, that he's able to store muscle plus his genetics. So just keep that in mind. And then the third ingredient, which is 100% necessary here is HGH, 20 IUs a day, which again is conservative. I think 20 IUs a day is something he probably used as a moderate dose. Don't it surprise me if he pushed the envelope and went even higher, 25, even 30 IUs. You got to remember the guy's 300, 340 pounds at his peak, 340 pounds. So HGH, it will actually grow and split cells in the body. So you'll have tremendous growth. If you combine it with the insulin, you're taking the HGH, it's affecting your blood sugar at that level. If you run HGH at two IUs a day, it's not going to mess with your blood, blood sugar. You mess, you mess around with it at 20 IUs a day, it will. It's going to shoot your blood sugar up. You got to throw that insulin there to get that blood sugar down. Then you eat, you got to time your meals, you got to eat healthy meals, partitions, nutrient partitions, those meals into the muscles like a sponge. You turn your muscles into a sponge and it sucks up all, all that food. That's why these guys are able to eat so much food and use that to build size and muscle when a normal person eats their diets and just gets fat. You go, uh, I bet you, you could go to Walmart in your small town and you would find half the people there eat as much as someone like Gunter on certain days of the week. They just pig out, but they're fat. They're obese. They don't look like Gunter. Why is that? Because Gunter has the genetics. Gunter is on all these drugs, PEDs. He's on the HGH. He's on the insulin. He's on the DMP. He's on all this stuff. It's a perfect storm. And it basically is a perfect storm of what these bodybuilders end up doing to get to that level. So two more compounds. I'll let Momster talk about the injectables. Anadrol. Anadrol this time was, was pretty popular, 150 milligrams a day. For a normal person, like someone like me, 50 milligrams a day for four weeks would be a cycle of Anadrol. Just Anadrol by itself, 50 milligrams. He's running 150 and he's running all this other shit on top of it. So, I mean, anadrol by itself is a hell of a drug. It's the reason it's called A-bombs. Anadrol is an amazing compound. It's a DHT derivative, so you don't, it doesn't aromatize into estrogen. It binds to estrogen receptors, but it doesn't aromatize into estrogen. It causes tremendous amount of mass. So if you want, and the pumps are incredible on it. Winstrol, 100 milligrams a day. For me, 25 milligrams a day of Winstrol. If I was on Winstrol by itself for four weeks, 25 milligrams a day would be enough. My head hair falling out, my joints cracking. He's running he's running 100 milligrams a day of Winstrol. Great steroid for drying out ahead of a competition. So that's something he would run ahead of his competition leading up a few weeks. And you go into competition nice and dry. And I could imagine how his joints felt running, running Winstrol. So tell us a little bit about the other compounds he could have been running monster. I think I have four in this cycle that I put together. Tell us a little bit about them. I, I've, I've run the numbers while you were talking, Steve, and we're talking about 5.4 grams of steroids a week, which, again, is one of those things where I think the Chad Nichols uh, aspect comes into play here. I'm going to touch on a drug that's not listed as well, or, or so let's say drug, it's may, drug maybe, maybe, which I'll get to in a second. Right, so 1,000 milligrams a week, it's almost kind of like carved in stone with this one, Steve, that if you look at a top professional bodybuilder, Trend's going to be in there somewhere, trend acetate, and a, and a gram a week of trend 
which is more than enough for any normal kind of guy. I, 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 if I ever use Trin, it'd be probably something like 300 milligrams. But again, we're talking about Gunter at his absolute biggest and beastliest, uh, uncomfortably big, uh, 340 pounds, and coming down to 300 pounds in condition. So a gram a week of Trenbolone acid, say. And we know it's kind of called the king of steroids, it kind of almost needs to be in there. It almost needs to be this level just to have him be a bodybuilder that's going to be in contention on the Olympia stage. The next drug, and it's very much, again, I might argue the numbers here in terms of what he would have needed, but it's a hardener. It's a competition drug. It's one of those ones that's going to give you a show quality physique. Again, if you've got the genetics, if you put in the diet, the training in these things have to be in play. Guys, you cannot just take this and hope for the best. You need to do all the other things too. You need to have the genetics, put the hard work in, do the cardio and have the diet on point. But again, possibly one of those things that's been influenced by Chad. And I can have a suggestion on the basis of reputation and rumor and not necessarily specific facts because we guess when we read some of these things, guys. But the suggestion is here a gram and a half a week of Masteron Propionate. Possibly because it's one of those things where you get into the mental aspect of if I take this, my physique going to look that much better. And again, it's a genetic thing where most people couldn't handle half the stuff that we're talking about at the levels that we're talking about. But someone with uh, genetics finds it just about okay, just about comfortable. Just, and again, we know that he wasn't. He was talking about how he got to be uncomfortable and how, how bare, bad and how kind of wrong it felt at this level. And then again, almost a foundation uh, drug, possibly run at different amounts. And a suggestion here, in fact, was to drop the dose was dropped to as low as 300 milligrams ahead of the show, which is kind of almost getting into the TRT stuff, but dropped literally because it was see the difference in the physique in those last few weeks. There's plenty of photographs and videos on Instagram now, Steve, of course, where we can see guys and you go, doesn't look that good, doesn't look that good. Then with a tan and under the show lights, they look amazing. And then maybe testing and it's one of those things where you lower the dose from, and again, an informed opinion of 1,200 milligrams a week down to a potentially low 300 milligrams ahead of the show, just to bring in that tradition, just to get the show look and have everything pop in and all the DLs and the separation coming out between the muscles. So yeah, one of the things that's not mentioned here, Steve, and in fact, I will touch on something that you did say, I'm going to agree with you 100%. And again, this is a reputational thing and something the guys were experimenting with at the time. And Mila Sars has had, had a hand in this as well as, uh, again, by reputation, Chad, et cetera, et cetera. And that was the high, high dosing of hope, 20 to 40, 30 to 40, and maybe even higher on the other occasion with some of the bodybuilders of human growth hormone. And specifically because I'm thinking of what Milos was doing both Milos and Chad around that time were playing with the whole carb manipulation and very, very specific kind of workouts. Milos's case, for example, he had the guys doing giant sets and having apple sauce uh, between sets. And the idea was that they were literally force feeding carbs in and getting maximum pumps and manipulation with the body. And again, a very specific protocol. Most of the guys, and Steve said this already with the insulin aspect, 90% of our listeners won't get the benefits. They do end up fatter. They don't do the training 100%. You haven't got someone like Milos 
or Chad looking over your shoulder saying, you've got to do it this way, do it exactly this amount, this is perfect for you, et cetera, et cetera. And they copy guys like Gunnar and Milos. <coughs> and Milos's protocols and Chad's protocols are for, are for that person, for that individual, not for you, not for you with your average genetics. By rumour, and again, this is around the same time as the drug I said it wasn't mentioned, was the idea that uh, Chad was supposed to have had some kind of plasma expander. And again, we hear these rumours all the time of guys with injectable amino acids uh, doing you know, stuff that they're going to sleep of a night time and they've got a drip by the side of their bed and all these kind of things. Nine times out, it's the only fact, 99 times out of 100, it's completely utter bullshit. And it's just the idea that this person must be doing something that I'm not doing in order for them to win the show to have this kind of physique that's so different from mine. And in reality, it's just that they're working harder, they're dieting harder, they're doing more cardio, they're just doing all the things that you ain't doing, and they're doing a couple of other things. They're not doing something special secret. And in fact, I believe Chad addressed this idea. He says something of the plasma expander, whether that was true or not, he said that the apple sauce thing was kind of true. He says, but it was a specific kind of ingredient that went into the apple sauce that we could only find from one place. And annoyingly, uh, the company that was producing this particular product with this ingredient that we were using changed the formula. So then you ended up with a change of physiques again. So he had guys, it was, a, was it a plasma, a kind of ingredient that was added to apple sauce that the guys were using. And again, a very specific, focused protocol that's only for the athlete. So not every person, if they train together, will be doing exactly the same thing, same amount of growth, same amount of applesauce and whatever else, They're all doing giant sets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's one of those things where, again, the gear is going to allow you to train more, uh, um, do a greater volume. Can you handle discomfort? But where the pumps are so painful and so on and so forth. But again, you've gone to this person and you said, listen, I want to take the next step, whether it's with, uh, steroids, whether it's with applesauce, whether it's with growth hormone, whether it's with DMP, I need to take the next step because I think if I do that, I'll start winning shows like Steve says, and I'll take that, I, I, I'll, I'll go from fourth place, fifth place to the podium and from the podium maybe to first place. And we get it, guys. We understand with these PEDs, with these things that you're sometimes willing to do, and it's a subject that's been on the forum just this week, we kind of get your hunger, and we kind of understand because we've been there somewhat in terms of wanting to win at what we do, our chosen endeavours. We understand that, but equally, we're able to take a step back, and that's some of our age and experience, and, and if a professional bodybuilder like Gunther can say it, King can say it, then it's kind of one of those things you go, guys, we get that you're ambitious, we get that you're hungry, we get that you're kind of willing to roll the dice, that you're willing to risk things a little bit, but you have to be very, very, very careful in terms of these kind of stuff. If Dallas made a mistake, Steve was probably putting on a so much weight really, really early on in his career relative to what we're talking about in terms of his age, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a very quick example, Steve, and it's, it's not even really the kind of I'm going to die kind of stuff. It's just that you're going to get injured kind of stuff. And it's as simple as, guys, the reason why, for example, back in the 80s and 90s, so many fellas were getting pec tears and in strongman still get bicep tears and lap tears is that you can grow from PEDs very, very quickly. And I'm speaking specifically of anabolic steroids, grow very quickly and your muscle tissue grows quicker and gets stronger quicker than your connective tissue. So you have this issue of 
the muscles basically got too strong, too quick, and the tendon tears, or you get a strain. And this happened in strongman. We used to see a lot of pec tears and bicep tears in bodybuilding. Equally, the same things apply. If your support system, which is all of your endocrine system, all your liver, your kidneys, your stomach, your heart, your lungs, uh, your blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, isn't used to the fact that you've added 20 pounds on a circle, 50 pounds in two years or three years, especially if you're undeveloped, if you're not fully grown, your bones grow slowly, your connective tissue grows slowly, your fascia can get super tight just because you've blown up so quickly. And Steve mentioned earlier on, it's a classic one for some people. I've never had that kind of response to it. And maybe it's just because I don't respond in that way. But I know guys that talk about 16 or 20 pounds. We get guys coming on forums saying, I, I would be happy if I gained 30 pounds. No, motherfucker, you'd only be happy if I waved a magic wand. And even then, you'd be really, really big and not used to what you've got. So it's one of those things that can be part psychological, part physical. We understand the drive and the motivation. But when you put on that much mass that quickly, it's really, really difficult to deal with, and it, that's causing health issues. And equally, when you've got the genetics of a good Schlier camp, 300 in season, 340 out of season, saying, listen, when I got a 340, it wasn't very nice. He's six foot plus. I've been 329, and it's not very nice. Hell, I've been 300 pounds and haven't struggled walking up the stairs before I adapted to it. So it, it's just... The idea sometimes works better than the reality. Uh, and this applies to, say, for example, I mean, Steve can touch on this, I think they're finished. The idea, for example, if I double up my trend, I'll be twice as big. If I, if I go from 300 milligrams of, of some kind of test to 1,000 milligrams of test, it's going to make all the difference to my physique. And, and Steve and I know that this is just not true. If you've got even decent genetics, and I'm not saying championship winning genetics, not Mr. Olympia, top top 10 genetics, but just decent genetics for bodybuilding, for weightlifting, for strength, etc. You will not double up on this stuff. I know Steve's going to get into this in, properly in another podcast, but it's one of those things, guys. You need to have this understanding that these numbers that we throw out of this is literally, if it's pushing the envelope for Gunter, never mind for you and for me and for Steve, it's pushing the envelope for Gunter. And Gunter was a world-class 300-plus pounds physique, and he said, this was too much for me. It took a lesson that he had to learn. That's one of the things sometimes it's a shame that people need to learn the lesson rather than to listen to the advice, Steve. Back to you. Yeah, and, and one of the things he ended up doing, uh, he ended up being in a, in, a, in a few movies. Beer Fest was one of the movies he ended up doing. And now he's living in Southern California with his family. His Instagram, he's got pictures of a lot of old school pictures from when he, he was in his prime and he also has pictures with his son so he's enjoying life raising yeah. his son um and he dropped a load of weight yeah I'm maybe he didn't but maybe he didn't accomplish what he wanted to maybe his goals was to win mr mm -hmm. olympia but he did win competitions he did win competitions he placed very high in competitions and he also was in a few moves maybe his goal was to be an action star like arnold was but he didn't accomplish it so um, it's not that easy to, to do that. And, you know, he was in beer. I saw, I saw a couple clips of him in beer fest. He's not a good actor. I mean, he's not a good actor. He doesn't have that stage presence. Arnold yeah. wasn't a good actor either, but Arnold could still present. Yeah. Huge he had presence. some type of presence and yeah. about him and some type of thing. And he, the right yeah, yeah. but when you pick a role, like to be in a crappy comedy like that, 
maybe that wasn't the best decision on his part. He should have maybe no. did some action movies and kind of try to work mm. his way up there. But it's it's a tough business. Hollywood is a tough business, a lot of competition. And there's a lot of people who've been acting since they were two years old. Their parents got them into acting or whatever. They have agents, big name agents that can get them roles. They know directors, they know producers. So it's not that easy for him to do. But he seems to be happy today. He seems to be happy. And as Monster alluded to earlier, his wife also, she's big into fitness. So they're able to um, live a good life. I mean, they're, they're living the, the beach life in Southern California. So can't can't beat it at all. So, but at the end of the day, you know, not his the worst, not the worst results, Steve. Not the worst. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, my opinion, which, you know, we're going to link, um, uh, the article will be linked into the, the podcast where I talk about his life. And he seems to be a well-spoken man now. And he likes to lecture the younger bodybuilders about doing this the right way because he didn't do it the right way. And he got out. He got out, though, in time. He would have shortened his lifespan tremendously. Yeah. And, um, you With know, he did, shorten, he did shorten his With lifespan. His I don't he think he's got any. Yeah. yeah. He's I not going to live, he's not gonna live to any... 80. But, I mean, unless he really <laughs> no, makes no, some, no. some more changes. But <laughs> no. he did. At least he's going to no make No serious it, you know? medical issues there. Yep. So, no great injuries. Yep. So give us your final thoughts, Mobster, and take us into the disclaimer, and then we'll, uh, we'll finish it up. I, I just think to go back to what I've touched on already. This idea, and I mean, we talk about, I don't want to sound like some moral crusading kind of guy all the time, guys, but Gunt is a very good example for a lot of the Listen, right? If we had 100,000 listeners, one of you has the potential to be a big champion in your chosen sport, let's say bodybuilding on the Olympia stage of 100,000 listeners, that's what we're talking about. Maybe 50, 60 of you guys have got good competition physiques. 100 of you guys could be great on Instagram and, and have serious people stop you in the street and go, what the hell are you doing or whatever else? The rest of you just want to tone up. You want to look good. You want to look good down a club. You want to look good when you're out strolling around. You want to look good on the beach. So our, our podcast, we're gonna, we try to get into all that kind of stuff and especially on the forum. We advise for the 99%. That's the rest of you. That's that 95,000, 90 something, whatever thousand of that 100,000. This is the stuff that we give to you. And we say, listen, we're giving you the extreme examples because that's the echelon. That's the reason why we all drive SUVs, but there's someone out there in a 200, 300 mile an hour car. We like to watch those 300 mile an hour cars because it's absolutely great. We like to watch. The, the, the funny cars at the drag races because you go, oh my God, that's crazy. It's just done a five second run. What the hell? That's what these guys are. They are the funny cars of bodybuilding. They are the five second, 5,000 horsepower guys. And of course, the risk of the car blowing up or wheels coming off or crashing, it's right on the edge there. And Gunt has been that. There's been to the raggedy edge. He's been 300 miles an hour. And he's fortunately, even if he has taken a few years off his life, perhaps come back and seeing the light and he's driving his SUV around. The rest of you guys, you can learn from these people's extreme examples, but you do not need to do their kind of crazy stuff. You can, fractions of these things, you can read how they experimented with group hormone, you can read how they experimented with specific protocols from insulin. And if you do decide to do those things to win a competition, make sure you are 100% informed. And that's what we're going to try to do with you on the forums. I will take us into the uh, disclaimer, Steve. As always, guys, and for anybody else listening out there, fans, Chad, etc., 
we're not doctors and these are our opinions and ours alone. It's our view and it's based on the experience that we have and views on the topic. Our podcasts offer informational and entertainment purposes only and the freedom of speech and the First Amendment rule applies. 